pandemic, a contentious election cycle, a divisive media on both the right and the left, endless arguments over social issues, church division and arguments. If there was ever a time in the history of our society when we needed more of the Spirit in our lives, it's now. This series is a study of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we're talking about how we can have more of these things in our lives. Thank you for joining us as we talk about life by the Spirit. All right, you can have a seat. That I shall not want. That's awesome. Uh, I love that song. I'm not going to dance yet, but... I love O Come, O Come, too. I love all the Christmas songs, okay? But I shall not want that. I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> Y'all, actually, the last two Sundays, you've hit my two favorite Christmas songs. Uh, o, o Holy Night and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Those are my two favorite Christmas songs. And so we've got them in the first two Sundays of Advent. So I don't know what you got planned for week number three, but it better be good. Um, let's, talk, let's talk Christmas. While we're on Christmas, let's talk Christmas. I want to say thank you to this church. Uh, I hope you saw in the lobby as you came in, if you came in the front lobby, which is in the back, so if you came in the back front lobby, I hope you saw all the stuff that's filling up that lobby in there. We, we went out on a little bit of a limb this Christmas, not much, but a little bit. We, we said yes to Roddy's project with Centerstone, because when you hear him tell that story about foster kids being displaced from their home and having to put their belongings in a garbage bag, and so they're connecting their self-worth to that, and it's like we got to do that. We got to do that project. And so I counted 50 bags before I came in here for worship. And he said they need about 35 to, to cover a year. So I'm hoping by the end of today, we've got two years worth of uh, luggage back there for Roddy. Yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, the reason I say it was a little bit of a stretch was we said it may hurt our angel tree. Like we may have a hard time having enough getting enough folks to help with Angel Tree because that's a kind of a big project and it's, you know, a hundred bucks or something to get that and that may hurt the Angel Tree. And then after last Sunday, we had uh, 30 names left over. And I was like, I will probably, we probably put too many names out there. I think we had about a hundred names on that tree and we had 30 left over. Did a social media post within two hours, all the names taken. And people were donating money through Venmo and all that. I mean, it was, that was incredible. So thank, I love serving a church that loves to serve. And so that, that's the funnest part of this job is being able to do that. I actually got to call Boys and Girls Club and say, hey, do y'all have any extra? Just in case, in case we, we may have more people than actual we have angels. And so if we have any of that or if we have any extra funds that are given to that angel tree, we'll, we'll donate those to the Boys and Girls Club to make sure that all those kids are covered. Um, the other stuff I want to talk about real quick is just our events, our Christmas events. And we're, I'll go through this pretty quick so we can get into the message. But Next Sunday is the Gingerbread Bash for MH Kids. They do ask you to please sign up for that, so you can do that through the Church Center app. The Sunday after that, that's at 5.30 uh, p.m. The Sunday after that's the student ministry. They're having a Christmas party. That's on the 19th. It's at Chad and Allison Cooper's house. Uh, you don't have to sign up for that. Todd's not going to have sign up for him. Just show up. Um, and uh, we'll, he'll have, we'll have plenty of good stuff. They, the reason they're signed up for gingerbread is they got to buy all those supplies, whatever they're going to make. I think they're making a nativity set out of gingerbread. I think. I'm not running for sure. But you can come check it out. Uh, what we got next? Oh, December 19th. 
the last Sunday of Advent, we're doing the greatest impromptu Christmas pageant ever. And uh, it's great. The reason it's the greatest is that you don't have to bring your kids to rehearsals. You don't have to practice. You don't have to learn Christmas music. You don't have to dig up and find any costumes. You just show up to church on Sunday morning. That's all you got to do. And let us dress your kids up and bring them up on stage to act out the nativity. So make sure you invite the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and the teachers and all the folks that, that want to see that. And then the last one is uh, Christmas Eve services. So Christmas Eve services are 4.30 and 6 p.m. We are asking you to please sign up again. And we're not doing this because of COVID. We're doing this because we don't want everybody coming to the same service. And we're afraid that might happen. Like one of them might be more popular than the other. And I know we all love each other, but we don't want to sit on top of each other on Christmas Eve. So uh, we got 300 seats marked out in the 430. We got 300 seats marked out in the six. We've actually got, we can do more than that if we need to. If both of those services fill up, um, we can figure out a way to kind of expand that and do more of that. It's not a ticket. You do not have to keep up with it after you. It's just an RSVP. You do not have to keep up with it after you RSVP. Uh, you don't have to show any tickets to get in the door. If uh, Uncle Johnny shows up last minute and you, oh, I don't have a seat for him. Yes, you do. You can invite him. It's fine. Um, it's just helping us kind of plan for Christmas Eve. Yes, we'll sing Silent Night by Candlelight. Uh, we are going to have communion this Christmas Eve because of the way Christmas falls on the weekend. Some people may, this may be the only opportunity they have to worship this weekend is on Christmas Eve. So we're going to have communion that night as well. So all that's coming up. We're building in expectation. That's what we're doing right now. That's what Advent is. Advent is a season of waiting. We're awaiting the coming of Christ. Things are building in expectation every Sunday as we... Uh, as we do this. So today we lit the second candle of Advent, which is the peace candle. Today, the fruit of the Spirit we're going to talk about is peace. And uh, I thought I'd start with something a little unique, okay? This is, uh, I, I think when, when we hear that topic of peace, all of us think, I could use more peace in my life. I mean, all of us could use more peace in our life, especially this time of year, things get really stressful and uh, we're running in a hundred different directions and you know I mean so it's like all of us could just use some more peace a chance to catch our breath just some more quiet so I thought I would start the sermon by having us try it for one minute okay so we're just gonna we're gonna have a moment of peace and you can call it a moment of silence if you want to we're just gonna and and however you want to use it so you can bow your head you can close your eyes uh, I ask you not to look at your watch. I'm going to look at mine because I have to because somebody's got to keep time. But uh, I'm just, you know, we're going to go for 60 seconds. So I'll kind of keep the time for 60 seconds and we're just going to have a moment of peace. Uh, no, no talking or, you know, everybody's quiet and still and just we're just going to have a peaceful moment together. Okay? All right. Let me, uh, let me get to a good starting point here. I'll get to the top of the hour here so I can, uh, we can have this together. All right, so three, two, one.
Okay, Whew. that was hard. Um, I, I was second guessing my decision. I was like, 30 seconds, that's too short. I need to do at least a minute because that's where you feel a little bit of the tension and a little bit of the pressure, but goodness. Uh, that, okay, that was the minute. I, I promise I quit it right at the minute. Uh, was that peaceful? Calming? Uh, relaxing? <laughs> Not for me. Okay, I can't, I like, I, when, when we do that, like when there's a moment of silence, I, go, I went to all the Mount Pleasant football games this year, or most of the Mount Pleasant football games, because my neighbor Chandler's playing, and I was supporting Mount Pleasant, and uh, they always had a moment of silence before the games, because they can't do a prayer, so they do a moment of silence. I'm good for about five seconds in a moment of silence. That's about my limit, is five seconds. After five seconds, I can only think about one thing. How long is this going to last? How long are they going to go? Is anybody going to talk? Is anybody going to move? Is anybody going to cough? Man, if you had to cough real bad, that, that would be bad right now. Is it like, how long is it? How long is a minute? Like, why is this? This thing is ticking so slowly here. Or maybe you're not just thinking about that. You're thinking about like, what all do I have to do today? What all Christmas shopping I got to do? What are we going to do for lunch after this is over? What is it? What is it? I mean, like, there's just a thousand things. Now, some of you guys may be able to do that for 60 seconds. You may be able to have that moment of peace and like... God bless you and teach us your secrets and teach us your ways and, you know, we can get you to come up here and, and preach this morning because I just, I can't turn it off. Like, I can't turn, the, the mind is just spinning. And if you think about it, like, that, a lot of us struggle with that. Like, we just can't, there is always noise around us. Think about how often we truly have, what we just did, 60 seconds, which was exhausting to me, but 60 seconds of peace, how often do we have that? in our day, nothing, we're, we're, we're not moving and, and we're not speaking and there's no noise. Think about how often, like there's noise all around us all the time and some of us are so uncomfortable with quiet that if we don't have noise, we create it. We buy noise machines to sleep with. They make noise to help us sleep. You know, we got, you'll turn on the TV because you just want some noise in the room. You're not watching the TV, you just want noise in the room. I cannot write a sermon without music playing. I, I, I can't. I mean, right now it's Luke Combs and Tyler Childers are writing all of my sermons, which is not necessarily good. There ought to be more drinking in my sermons. There's not. But, uh, but I gotta, that's what I'm listening to as I'm writing the sermons because I've got to have noise. It's around us all the time. And it's within us all the time. Always worrying about something, always stressing about something, always thinking about something. And if you run out of stuff to worry and stress about, we've got these little distraction devices in our phones that we carry with us that we are never without. If I forget my wallet at the house, I think, eh, okay, just won't go out to eat. I'll get it when I come back home. If I forget my phone, no matter how far away I am, I will turn around and go get it. So we've got distraction devices in our pockets that if we run out of stuff to worry about, run out of stuff to think about, run out of stuff to stress about, we can open those up and they're filled with stuff to worry about and stress about and think about. So this noise, there is a constant noise. We are constantly being bombarded with information, nonstop. So how in the world do we have peace in the midst of all that noise? That's what I wanna talk about in this message. And I, I wanna get practical but I also want to get theological. So I want to talk about how we have peace. But I also think it's important to talk about why we should have peace. Like what does God's word tell us about why 
peace is needed in our lives. Because this theme is a little different than the other. Like some of the themes that we look at in a message, you're like, I don't know what to talk about because there's only just a couple of verses in the Bible that talk about this, so I'm not sure where we're going to go. When it comes to peace, there's, there's thousands of verses that we I mean, I, really, I, I mean, it is, it is throughout the Old Testament. It is throughout the New Testament. This is a major theme of Scripture. This is a major theme of Christmas, Right? Peace be with you. You know, like the peace is coming, peace on earth. You know, that's, that's, it's a major, major theme in the scripture. And if you go back to the Old Testament, there was a greeting, common Hebrew greeting, shalom, that we're familiar with. And it means in general peace. But Thomas, would you mind throwing up that definition? Look at the, look at the deeper meaning of this. All around well being, freedom from fear and want, contentment in relationship with God, others, and creation. That's the kind of peace we're talking about here. We're not really what I just did with you, that exercise, you know, the 60 seconds of peace. That's not really peace. That's quiet. That's stillness. Th- th- those don't always translate. Because even in quiet and stillness, the, the message, the, the storm inside of us can be raging. And we're not at peace even if we're being quiet. And we're not at peace even if we're being still. We're not at peace even when we smile at people at church and say, hey, yeah, it's good to see you. you know, like we're still not even at peace. This is the kind of peace we're talking about here. Freedom from fear and want. Contentment in relationship with God, others, and creation. In the New Testament, there was a common greeting. Jesus used it often with his disciples. Paul used it often in his letters. Peace be with you. And I think that's what it's getting at. This, this, so there's this, this, this peace, this contentment that comes from knowing Christ and being in our relationship with Christ. So I want to talk about it. I'm going to restrict it to just four verses. All right? And in these four verses, I think you see three types of peace talked about in the Scripture. Peace with God, peace of God, or peace with ourselves is kind of the way I describe it, and then peace with other people. So let me look at a few Scriptures. I'll just put them on the screen so you don't have to, because we're going to jump around a little bit. So uh, no sense in jumping and finding this passage because I won't be on it for very long. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So that that phrase, peace with God, that's what we're talking about here. This is the peace that comes from being saved, or the peace that comes from being in a, a right relationship with God. And you would classify this, I think, as a peace, we're at peace with eternity. Or if you want to say it, at peace with death. We're at peace with death. We, I, I'm, I'm free from um, the guilt and the fear. I don't have to live in guilt and fear anymore. I don't have to live in shame anymore because I have made my peace with God. That's, that's, what, that's the kind of peace we're talking about here. And that peace comes through, through Jesus Christ. I don't have to be anxious about what happens when I die because I know that, that Jesus has saved me and nothing can separate me from that. So that, that's, the, that's the peace we're talking about there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 talks about a little bit different kind of peace. And in this passage, Paul says, Do not be anxious about everything, anything, excuse me, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. So that first one was talking about peace with God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this is the peace that God gives, gives us 
to deal with whatever circumstances surround us. I'm, I'm calling this peace with ourselves because this is when in our mind, another way of saying this might be peace of mind. This is the peace of mind that comes from our relationship with God. Like that, and this is not a promise of no storm. This is not a promise of, of no conflict. I mean, this is, the, this is talking about the mindset that we carry into the storms and the mindset that we carry into the conflict. And when you've seen it, I've seen it in other people. I don't know, I've struggled with it myself. I've seen other people, when you see it, people in the midst of difficult circumstances or in the midst of storm and there's this peace of mind that they have, it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't because we've been conditioned to believe that peace is dependent upon circumstances, just like we believe that joy is dependent upon circumstances. But it doesn't make sense. And that's what it does. It transcends all understanding. It transcends human understanding because it's not based on human strength or ability. And um, this is kind of the idea of like, regardless of what I'm facing, I can be free from anxiety and panic because I put my trust in something bigger. So Dee was kind of stealing some of my thunder in the communion meditation. But that's okay. She often steals my thunder on Facebook, right, Dee? So go to the, the MH family. She's got some great devotionals that she puts up there. Um, and sometimes she picks my sermons apart, but not, not often. Um, this last one, look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called the one hope when you were called. Now, this is, a, this is not talking about make every effort to be at peace with God or to make every effort to be at peace with yourself. The context here is make every effort to be at peace with other people, especially the people you worship with, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Here it talks again in Colossians. Go ahead, Thomas, to that one. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And uh, be thankful. So again, there's the bond of peace and the peace of Christ. And the way I understand both of these is that this is peace with other people. Now, if you think the other two are hard, like, you know, many people wrestle much of their life to come to peace with God. And, and some of you may have that story. Like, you know, I, I wrestled all through my teenage years. Or I wrestled all through my college years or my 20s and 30s. I was, you know, I was fighting to come to peace, at peace with God. And there's people, you'll see people that are baptized that are older that will say, you know, this is like the... Uh, this is, a, this is a long battle I've been trying to get to. I'm, I'm making my peace with God by surrendering this moment in baptism. That's hard. Um, peace with ourselves is hard. To, to live with, without anxiety, without panic, to not freak out, even when the circumstances are saying freak out, that's hard. But to me, this is the hardest one of all because um, it involves other people. And other people are difficult. I'm not. I'm very easy to get along with. I, I'm very, I don't know why anybody would not have peace with me, but other people are very difficult to have peace with. There are some people that require a lot of extra grace 
in our lives. And it's very difficult to be at peace with those people because they apparently don't want peace. If they did, they might act a little bit different. I almost wanted to say the reason this one is so hard is because the first two are dependent upon us, but the last one is dependent upon other people. That's not true. All three of them are dependent upon us which makes it even harder. I'd rather it be on other people because then I can say it's their fault. If they, I mean, if they, would, if they would just be nice, then it'd be easy to be at peace with them. But uh, this could be why the Bible talks more about this kind of peace, in the New Testament at least, the Bible talks more about this kind of peace than probably any other. There's a ton of verses in the New Testament about, hey, can you guys just get along, please? Can you, can you guys work this out, please? Can you just bear with each other and forgive one another? I mean, there, it's, it's all throughout the New Testament. And as my friend Aubrey likes to say, he says this often in step one. We had that last week. Uh, God didn't ask us to do that. He told us to do it. Like, God didn't say, hey, you know, if you don't mind, maybe be at peace with other people. If you don't mind, just forgive other people. If it's not too much of an inconvenience, bear with their burdens. Uh, no, he told us to do it. And so that verse, Romans 12, 18, you know, as far as it depends on you, there it is, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I think the order is important too when you look at this order. It's, it's God, myself, and others. We, we make our peace with God. We trust him for salvation. We make our peace with ourselves. We learn how to trust him in our circumstances. And until we do those two things, it's really hard to make peace with others. Like if, if I can't be at peace with God and be at peace with myself, it's going to be nearly impossible to be at peace with other people. Um, and so the order, I think, is important. And that's why, why it's important. Let's talk about how, then, we do it. Um, number one, to live at peace with others. We'll go in reverse order here. To live at peace with others requires Vulnerability. And that's not what we want to hear. <laughs> We'd rather, like, to live at peace with others requires them to, anyway. Stuart Briscoe writes it this way. Often we fail to have peace with other people simply because we feel threatened by them. Our natural reaction when we are threatened is to build defenses, barriers between ourselves and the source of our threat. And once we have defenses, we naturally assume a defensive attitude. Like the reason we, we do it to protect ourselves. So we, that's how we, we navigate this. I will protect, if I've been burned once or I've been hurt once, I will, na- I will protect myself by building these defenses because I'm feeling threatened, so I'll build these defenses. And he says, the, um, he says, if there are barriers between me and another person, I don't solve the problem by attacking their defenses. I approach it by tearing down my own. I make myself vulnerable. One of the reasons peace is not restored in many relationships is this. We want others to lower their defenses before we do anything about ours. It's kind of that classic standoff, right? You know, I, I, listen, I know we're not talking to each other. I'd be happy to talk to her as soon as she's ready to start talking to me. Or I know we haven't, you know, really restored the, listen, as soon as they're ready to, I, listen, I know I haven't forgiven, but as soon as they forgive, as soon as they say I'm sorry, I'm ready to say I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm sorry until they say I'm sorry. And that's a, that's a protective thing. And it requires vulnerability to break that down. And vulnerability is a risk. 
This is why we don't like it. It's why we're uncomfortable with it. It's, it's a risk to be vulnerable. But if you'll think about every authentic relationship in your life, it was built on vulnerability. You had to risk to put your trust into another person or to risk to put your, your love with another person. And that was a risk. They could have taken your trust. They could have taken your, your love. Those, but, but to build authentic relationships requires vulnerability. And to restore broken relationships almost always requires some level of vulnerability. Um, I saw a great example of it, and I'm hesitant to use this example because some of you are going to judge me for it, but that's okay. Um, this is being vulnerable. <laughs> I just realized that in the midst of I, I was like, I was trying to talk myself out of not giving that disclaimer, and I just gave it. Because um, <clears throat> it's hard to be vulnerable. I was a TV show I'm watching right now. I've seen five episodes of it. It's The Morning Show on Apple+. Plus, and some of you are going to judge me to it because preachers don't listen to cussing. And uh, so I was watching this show, and in it, there's these two main characters uh, that are played by, oh, I don't even remember the names, Jennifer Aniston and, uh, what's her name? Reese Witherspoon, see? You guys are sinning too. Um, no, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. So Jennifer Aniston and, and Reese Witherspoon, and they're like these two kind of high-powered anchors uh, for, a, for a TV show, and they can't stand each other. And I don't know, I know it's like way, it's like three seasons in, but they can't stand each other. There is a lot of defenses built up between their two characters, and they don't get along, and there's like this very cold relationship between them. But this one episode I'm watching, the ice starts to melt just a little bit when one of them has a breakdown in front of the other, because there's some personal stuff going on in their life. They're dealing with a divorce in their life, and she has a breakdown, and the other one responds the way we do almost 100% of the time when another person is vulnerable with us, we don't respond by attacking them. What do we respond with? Vulnerability of our own. And so Reese's character says, oh, listen, my family's a mess too. If you knew what my family was like, let me tell you. And, and, and there was just, it, they came together for just a little bit there. I don't know if they stay together or not, but there, there was a little bit of coming together because of vulnerability. Because one person dared to risk vulnerability and that opened up the door to building a little bit of trust. That's where the second one comes in. To build, to make peace with ourselves requires trust. Dee talked about this in our uh, communion vacation. It requires trust. And this is essentially what Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Like, don't worry, but each day's got enough trouble of its own. Jesus is talking about trust. And what he's saying in that section of the Sermon on the Mount is, You've, you need to trust me. I know you're worried, I know you're stressed, I know you're anxious, but you need to trust me. If I took care of the, the flowers, if, if God takes care of the birds, he will take care of you. There's a verse that we, we quote out of that passage. We quote it out of context. Almost 100% of the time it's used. Seek first the kingdom of God. You've heard that one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you as well. That's in a teaching on worry. That's the context in which he says. It's not in a teaching on priorities. It's in a teaching on worry. And what Jesus is trying to say is, you've got, when you're worried and you're stressed and you're anxious, you need to look to someone bigger. Uh, you need to look to, to something higher. You need to seek first God. That's, it's a trust thing. I've got to learn to trust God in the midst of these circumstances that I can't control, in the midst of this situation that I can't control, in the midst of this storm that I can't control. I've got to learn how to trust him in this situation. And there's a, there's a great story in the New Testament about that 
uh, where Jesus, the, the disciples are in the boat and there's a storm and uh, you know, the, the, we, the waves are hitting the boat and the wind's blowing the boat and they're fearful for their life. They're scared for their life. And you remember where Jesus was in the storm. He, he's below deck sleeping. And uh, what I find, and they finally go wake him up, like, Lord, don't you care? I mean, don't you care? What's it? Don't you see what's going on around us? And a lot of times we feel like that. We feel like, you know, God must be asleep through this storm because I don't, I don't get it, what's going on. But here's what I found uh, so interesting about that story this week was the disciples were so obsessed with the storm, they forgot Jesus was on the boat. Like they didn't, why didn't they go wake him up as soon as the storm hit? Like that ought to be the first place we go is, hey, Jesus, there's a storm. We see it coming. There's a storm coming on the horizon. They waited till the storm hit and they were so focused on the storm around them that they forgot Jesus was on the boat. And when they went and woke Jesus up, things got better. And I think it's a good analogy for a lot. A lot of times we see the storms coming. I know sometimes they come out of nowhere, but a lot of times they don't. A lot of times we see them coming. We see the clouds gathering on the horizon. And the first place we ought to go when that happens is we got to go to Jesus and say, I, I see a storm gathering and I don't know how to handle it. And I, I wish you'd make it blow north or blow south or something. But if it does come, I need you to walk with me because I don't have the strength to do this on my own. I don't have the strength to have peace in the midst of this storm. And, that's that, and it requires a tremendous, tremendous amount of trust uh, to do that. The last one is uh, to make peace with God. And to make peace with God requires uh, surrender. To live at peace with God requires surrender. And this is, this is the mindset. When people make peace with God, when we're talking about salvation, is the moment that they decide, I'm, I don't want to be in control anymore. Like, this, that's the moment. If you think about what happens at salvation, and I know people like to, you know, debate, you know, what point is somebody saved, and is it this point or this point or this point? Really, I don't, what point is, is the point in which we come to our conclusion and say, you know what, I'm not God, you are, I'm not, I can't save myself, I can't erase this debt, I can't forgive myself, uh, there's no way I could ever be good enough or holy enough to, to, to earn anything, and uh, I'm tired of being the captain of the ship. So I'm, you know, there can only be one captain and you're it and I'm not. And so I, I quit, I give up, I surrender, I wave the white flag. That's salvation. We, we use terms like repent for that. We use terms like uh, belief for that. We use terms uh, like baptism for that. I mean, like that, that's, think about what happens in baptism. Baptism is not a show, it's a surrender. That's what it is. When you go under the water, it's a surrender. That's what you're doing. It's, it's death to self. I'm surrendering myself to Jesus, death to self. And as I come up, I'm a new person. It's, it's, it's literally, that's the, the symbolism in baptism. It's, it's a death and a washing away of sin, and then it is a resurrection. And in Romans 6, it says, if we participated with him in a death like his, we will surely participate with him in a resurrection like his. And so it's, it's a tag like that. If you participate with this in Jesus, you'll surely. And so baptism is that moment in which we surrender. It's, it's, a, it's a waving the white flag moment that we do. And I know it looks different when, you know, Virginia and, and Ella Grace and my my nephew's getting baptized after second service. It looks different at that age than it does at 25, and it does at 35, or than it does at 70. It looks different. Um, the younger kids just don't have as many battle scars yet. 
They haven't gone through as much of the battle yet. It is still a surrender, but it's a, it's a little different type of surrender. But if you, I, I want to mention that because I did not want to go through Advent season without giving you the opportunity to respond to Christ and without giving you the opportunity to make peace with God. And we, we believe the way you do that is through, through baptism, by saying, I, I believe in Jesus. And, and a lot of people believe in Jesus but haven't really surrendered to Jesus. It's like being quiet for 60 seconds but not really having peace. <laughs> it's like I believe intellectually that Jesus exists and he is the Son of God, but I haven't really given him control yet. I'm still in control. I haven't really given him the control. And so I wanted to give you that opportunity that if you have not surrendered to Jesus, if you've not been baptized, uh, this is an opportunity to do that. We do have a baptistry out in the lobby. You can do it right now if you want to. It might be a little weird going home wet. Uh, you can also schedule a time. So if you, if you mark on the back of that card, just, hey, I'm ready to be baptized. You mark on the back of that card, myself or one of our ministers will reach out to you and we'll set up a time. Uh, to do the baptism. If you mark on the back of that card, you know, write questions on it if you want to. Because some people are like, I'm ready to be baptized, I think, but I've got a few more questions. There's a few things. I don't really understand a few things, or there's some things I want to kind of talk through and work through. You can do that. That happens all the time. Just mark baptism, and when we call you, say, hey, when you want to schedule the baptism? Say, well, actually, I'd like to talk first. No problem. Or if you've got family members that are kind of thinking through that and you want to talk, no problem. So you just mark that on the back of that card. There's boxes around the room. You can drop that in there. If you're watching online, there's a link in the comment section that uh, you can fill out another Connect card. You may have already filled one out. Just fill out another one if you're interested in baptism. We're talking more about that. And, um, or you can use the Church Center app. Now, we got one last thing to do today before we dismiss because I'm running out of time. Halfway through that message, I was like, man, we're going to get out early today. And no, we're not. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> we need to do our giving. So that's the last thing we're going to do today is our, is our offering. And I know you've already given so much through the Angel Tree and through Centerstone. Uh, the regular contributions help kind of keep the regular ministries of this church going. And uh, you can do that online. You can do it through text. You can do it through the app. If you're given a check, it's at those boxes around. You just drop it in those boxes as you leave today. Last thing I wanted to let you know about, uh, and then I'll have a word of prayer for us and we'll be dismissed. December 19th, we're doing a year-end giving contribution. So I was trying to do some research on this, and I was texting Gary uh, Van Warmer this week. This church has been in debt since 2004. That's what we finally concluded. We took out a, a loan of about 250000 in 200, 2004 to buy this property and to do, start building the road to get down to it. So we've been in debt since 2004. In 2015, it got up to $2.2 2 million. And that was when we did this, this last edition, $2.2 million. Uh, it now sits in December of 2022 at 100000 So we got a chance this year to get out of debt and to walk into 2022 as a debt-free church for the first time in a since we started, basically. We got the opportunity to walk into 2022 as a debt-free church. So I'm asking you to think about that for year in giving. So if you think about what you're planning to do for year and giving, on December 19th, our entire contribution will go to that purpose. And we're, we're, we're hoping to raise enough money to get us out of debt uh, on December 19th. So, so be thinking about that. It's a, big, it's a big, big deal to me. It's something myself and our elders, you know, we've been look, working on it, working on it. Stephen Worley created this big spreadsheet, and it's still named Stephen Worley Spreadsheet in my, in my computer because um, that was a goal of his. And so anyway... 
<clears throat> I'm not going to talk about Stephen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I want to thank you for, um, I want to thank you for what your son did for us. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for uh, the sacrifice that Jesus made in our lives. And I pray you help us to have peace. I, I know, I mean, it's, I've been up here talking for 25 minutes or so about peace, and uh, that just barely scratches the surface. So if there's folks in this room or folks listening online that are like, I, I want what he's talking about, but I don't know how to get any of it, um, please embolden them and encourage them to reach out to someone and talk about it. Because it is possible to have peace. It, it, is, it is possible to have that, that fear, to, to, I mean, to not have that, that fear, to have that freedom of fear and want and to have contentment with you and contentment with others and contentment with creation. So I pray you help us to have that, especially in this season when there's so many enemies of peace uh, fighting for our attention and our, our stress. So, Father, be with us. Go with us throughout this week and be with us as we come back again next Sunday to gather together and worship your name. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen.